You're listening to The Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tider Insider TV, Crimson Tide Kickoff, play-by-play for Alabama sports, and sports director for WVUA 23. It's time for the Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports, Tide 100.9, and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. And good morning, everybody, and welcome into the Gary Harris Show for this uh, Tuesday, January 23, 2024. I'm your host, Gary Harris. As always, uh, well, most every day we're together. Justin Jones is uh, manning the controls, as he's been doing since 6 o'clock this morning. And uh, went through uh, Martin Houston and uh, Wimpenberry inside the locker room. And now he'll handle duties for my show. We appreciate Justin, obviously, every day with what he does. Couldn't do the show without him. And uh, we've got another good show on tap for you today. Looking forward to um, being with you the next couple of hours. And... Uh, a lot of topics to cover. It's a, it's a hot time in sports. I mean, it's, uh, you know, football season is over in college, and we're down to the uh, conference championship games in the NFL. Only three games left, the AFC, NFC championship, and then the Super Bowl. But uh, still a lot of football discussion, of course, obviously with what's happened at Alabama with Nick Saban retiring. Also in the NFL with all the head coaching vacancies and the interview processes that are going on and all these teams that are looking for head coaches obviously are hoping to hit a home run very few do we know how that we know how that works that's the that's the problem about the NFL unless you find one of those special guys that can lead you um, to consistently to win over a period of time. You know, Belichick did it in New England. Andy Reid did it in Philadelphia and Kansas City. Uh, Mike Tomlin has done it in Pittsburgh. John Harbaugh has done it in uh, Baltimore. You got some other coaches now that are starting to do it. Shanahan in, in San Francisco. But for the most part, uh, these franchises and the Atlanta Falcons are a perfect example. Um, you know, you start getting in that coaching carousel, and it seems like it's hard to get off of it. You know, it's one, it seems like it's one bad hire after another. A lot of that may reflect on the organization, too. I'm not saying it's all on the head coach. but So that's going on as well, all these head coaching uh, uh, vacancies. And we'll bring you up to speed on that as well this morning. Uh, first, though, before we go any further, I do need to tell you this hour of the Gary Harris Show is brought to you by Alabama Credit Union. Steve Swafford and my friends uh, at the Credit Union do such a great job. I got my statement this month and had a message from Steve, president's message, uh, Alabama CEO and uh, President Steve Swafford with some frequently asked questions that he answered and just sent out in a little pamphlet. That is so neat, man. So incredible. Um, they've got all types of revolutionary member experiences that they've put in. Just a fantastic uh, organization. I think uh, close to 40 locations around the state of Alabama, well over 30 locations, including, of course, the main office, right here in Tuscaloosa. But Alabama Credit Union, loans for real life. Some rules and restrictions do apply. See if you're eligible for membership. Then join today and feel good about your money. And pull extra change in your pocket. How about that? All right, the lineup for today at uh, 9.30. We'll talk some ball with uh, Drudy Arman, the Rocket Man from 977 ESPN Radio in Huntsville, where he co-hosts Talking Ball with Scott Tyson weekday mornings from 7 until 9. And then at 10.30, a very popular uh Interview subject right now is Alabama men's golf coach Jay Sewell, two-time national championship coach at Alabama, and of course, the numerous PGA Tour pros that came up under his tutelage here at Alabama, including Justin Thomas, 15-time tour winner, two-time major champion, plus a player's championship. And now, of course, the biggest story in golf is Nick Dunlap. 
Alabama sophomore golfer who uh, was getting ready to play his uh, sophomore season for the Crimson Tide and hopefully lead Alabama to a national championship. And now we don't know what his future holds after he went out to uh, California and played in the uh, American Express on a sponsor's exemption. The only amateur in the field, all he did was shoot 29 under and win it. Won the tournament. <laughs> he didn't He didn't mess around well. You know, you know, he finished in the top 10, or he, finished, or he made the cut, or he finished in the top 25. No, he won the thing. And so now with a PGA tournament victory on his resume, he's qualified for the PGA Tour and has a decision to make. I know Wimp and Barry were talking a lot about it as far as the rules and uh, obviously, he doesn't get the $1.5 million winner's purse because he's not a pro and he's not eligible for it. But there is a lot of discussion among a lot of people. And, you know, in regards to how the rules are set up, should he be able to play uh, pro events and stay in college? And I know Wimp and Barry were talking about that. Well, he can do that. He can do that. He can play at as many pro events as he's qualified for. Uh, as an amateur, though, he can't accept the prize money. He can't accept NIL. He can't ex- he can accept endorsements, but he can't uh, play college golf and be a professional member of the PGA Tour. Uh, Barry believes that that should be changed, that he should be able to play pro events and take the money and then come back and play college golf. It, it's a subject that, you know, a lot of people are talking about right now. And a lot of people that aren't golf fans think he should get the $1.5 million that he won uh, at the American Express. You know, we're going to ask J.C. Will about all that because it is a now that we are in the NIL era and we're in the paying players era in college sports, uh, there is going to be a lot of discussion now, Justin. You know there will be because <clears throat> nobody expected Nick Dunlap to win that win that tournament. In fact, it had been 33 years. Phil Mickelson, January of 1991, since a pro uh, event had been, a PGA Tour event had been won by an amateur. So nobody was expecting to be having these conversations. But Nick Dunlap has changed that. And now with the focus on... Um, players getting paid in college uh, there is some discussion about whether or not Nick Dunlap should be able to play selected pro events and keep that purse and still play for Alabama um, Barry and I were talking about it all fair I'm not a fan of that and I'll tell you why uh, again I understand we're in a time now where people want no rules people just want to you know make it up as we go along and there's a lot of people that don't understand golf uh, that are out there on t- social media saying, well, he should get the $1.5 million. <clears throat> And now there are a lot of people saying, well, he should be able to play in pro events and still play for Alabama. Um, I don't agree. And I, I just, it's just my opinion. And I'll tell you why. You, you know, and, and I know Barry and I were talking. He said, there's no way this would happen. Why wouldn't it? Once you start pushing the envelope, and here's where I'm going with this, Justin. You let, you let Nick Dunlap play in some selected events as a pro, not as an amateur. He can play, he's qualified. He can play as many events right now as an amateur as he wants to that he qualifies for. He just can't take the money. I get that. And he could still play at Alabama as long as he doesn't give up his amateur status. Well, let's say you allow him to play as a pro and keep the money and then still play at Alabama. All right, where's it end? Where's it end? And, and, and people would say, well, it's not the same thing. Well, it's never the same thing. But once that door is open, what's to keep a enterprising college baseball coach from saying, hey, man, you're, you've made, you've made uh, uh, you know, $100 million so far. Oh, you know, the Major League season doesn't even start till early April. Why don't you uh, take a leave of absence from your Major League club? You know, you made a ton of money. Forfeit that salary. Help my program out. Come play a college baseball season with me. You know, let's play. You know, 
You say, oh, that would never happen. Why wouldn't it? Once the door is open, it never stops. That's what I'm saying. You know, I, I heard someone yesterday, and this is an unrelated topic, but it does tie in on a national show saying some business analyst saying, well, we could have never foreseen where this NIL was headed. What? You could have never foreseen it? That's all I talked about on my show was this was going to be a pay-for-play scheme. This was not going to be about, you know, some guy going to college to play football and getting a getting an endorsement deal at the local, local you know, hamburger joint, you know, to go down there and flip hamburgers for a couple hours for a photo opportunity to make, you know, make a couple thousand dollars. That's what that that's not what that was ever going to be about. That was going to be about paying players in the recruiting process and in to come to school and now in the portal, paying them again. It's a pay for play scheme. That's where it was going to go from the get go. And if you just keep relaxing the rules and you just keep allowing the line between amateurism and professionalism to mesh, at some point, we're not going to have amateur athletics. <clears throat> I mean, we really don't now, you know, to be honest with you. So from that standpoint, maybe Barry is right. Maybe let's just let amateur golfers play on the PGA Tour. Let's let, let's let Major League Baseball players come back and play college baseball if they want. Let's let a guy in the NFL who decides that... Yeah, uh, hey, you're not in playoff contention? Yeah. You want to come play? I mean, where does it end? Again, and people will people will scoff and say, oh, that could never happen. Why couldn't it? Look at the stuff that has happened in the last three or four years with collegiate athletes. I remember a time, and listen, I have no problem with it, because they. but I remember a time when, when amateur athletics, uh, athletes in the Olympics didn't couldn't get paid. You know, I mean, it was a time when there was a there was a distinct difference between being an amateur and being a professional. Now that line is blurred. It's probably not going to be unblurred. So we will have a point in time where, um, you know, I could see this happening. You know, a guy signs a professional baseball contract out of high school. All right. And he plays for a couple years and he doesn't like it. And he's allowed to come back and play college baseball, not just come back and go play college but play college baseball. That, that's probably coming. You know, you could always do that. Remember, that's why Chris Winkie and some of these guys, you know, would be older because they would play professional baseball. Then they'd come back to college and they'd play another sport, whether it be basketball or, or football or something like that. That, that. You know, I don't have a problem with that. But, you know, we'll have a time now where you'll have guys that sign these mega professional contracts out of high school. It doesn't work out for them initially in professional baseball, and they decide they want to come back to college and play baseball. That's probably going to happen. Uh, may happen with, you know, developmental league basketball players, you know, that, that thought they could make it to the NBA and they just couldn't quite make it. You know what I'm saying? They're stuck in the D league or they're stuck overseas. And we, we, we put a rule in it and says, well, you can come back to college and play college basketball. Now you're 24 years old. You've played, you know, 23 years old. You played four or five years professional basketball, but come on back and play college basketball. We're going to change the rule. All right. It didn't work out for you in professional. You've got four years of eligibility now to play college basketball. So, you know, we're kind of getting it now with these with the with the COVID year. I mean, you get guys playing college football and basketball, they're 25, 26, 27 years old. So where does it end? You know, where does it end? You know, it's just not it, it's just the lines are getting blurred to the point now where uh, I mean, you know, we're going to have professionals playing college sports at some point. It's just, you know, it's just kind of where we're at. All right, it is uh, 913 here on the Gary Harris Show. Tom, I see you're flashing on the hotline there, the First of Main Condominiums hotline at 205-342-9904. We come back on the other side of this break. We will get to you.
And um, let's just do away with all the rules, period. Let's just do away with all of them. You know, let's just do away with all the rules. You know, in college sports, hey, listen, you want to play six, seven years, doing it now anyway, under the guise of this COVID deal. You know, you 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 broke your toenail last year, slowed you down on your 40-yard dash time. Instead of running a 4-4, you ran a 4-6, messed up your draft status, play another year of college football. You know, you don't think you're going to go high enough in the draft this year. You, uh, you, know, had, you know, play another year. You know, play another couple of years. Play, play until you feel like you're good enough to go. Um, you know, Again, baseball player, you signed with a big mega contract out of high school. You played three years in the uh, whatever team system. You didn't you didn't get past, you know, high A. You're frustrated. I want to go back to college. But I don't want to just go back to college. And, and I'd pay for college. I want to play baseball, too. Yeah, what the heck, man? Who cares if you play three years professional baseball? It didn't work out for you. Play college. You know, if you get drafted again, maybe you can make a run at it then. I mean, where will it end? Where will it end? 914 here on the Gary Harris Show. We'll take the break. We'll come back with phone calls and more. We've got uh, Drudy Army coming up at the bottom of the hour. Alabama head men's golf coach J.C. Will at 1030. This is the Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 FM, 1230 AM WTBC. Download the Tide 109 app or listen at Tide109.com. This season of Alabama football on Tide 100.9 brought to you by Birmingham Racecourse Casino. Just a few minutes away where you can be a winner, too. From the University of Alabama, this is Crimson Tide Today. It's daily update on Bama sports and is brought to you by Everwood Treatment Company, the official treated lumber of Alabama athletics. Everwood, wood treated right. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. Alabama sophomore golfer Nick Dunlap won the American Express on the PGA Tour as an amateur on Sunday. With the win, Dunlap becomes the first amateur since Phil Mickelson back in 1991 to win on the PGA Tour. Here's Dunlap after his victory in California. I was going to go give it everything I had, whether that's I shoot 75 or 65 or 70. I just I was going to go get everything I had. You told me the other day you were nervous out here. While enjoying it, you were nervous. What were the emotions like, especially coming down the stretch? Nothing like I've ever felt. Um, yeah, I mean, it's so cool. I, I told Sam numerous times, like, it is so cool to be out here and, and experience this as an amateur. And um, whether I made that or missed that, and if you'd have told me that, you know, come Wednesday night, I'd have a putt to win this golf tournament. Is I, I wouldn't believe you. I'll have more in a moment. Producing championship-quality lumber is not an easy process, but at Everwood Preserving, it's our only process. Wood treated right. Everwood offers top-notch pressure-treated wood for decks, outdoor structures, commercial jobs, and more that you can build your reputation on. When it comes to quality, we're on the winning team. Visit your local Everwood dealer today and discover the difference for yourself. Everwood Preserving Incorporated, the official lumber of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Join us tomorrow night for Alabama men's basketball against Auburn. Radio coverage across the network will start at 5.30. We're leading you up to tip-off at 6.30 p.m., not only on the radio network and the Varsity Network app, but as well as the courtside cam presented by NASCAR on all CTSN social media platforms. Crimson Tide Today is brought to you by Everwood. Crimson Tide Today is a production of the Crimson Tide Sports Network from Learfield. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The warming trend continues today, mostly cloudy through tonight. A few spotty showers around. The high today, 62. Tonight's low, 54. Tomorrow and Thursday, cloudy with rain both days. Maybe a few thunderstorms as well. Highs between 67 and 70. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 50 degrees in Tuscaloosa. 
You see him on WVUA 23 covering sports and on Tider Insider TV on Tuesday nights. Don't miss a minute of The Gary Harris Show. Weekdays from 9 to 11 on Tide 100.9. 919, welcome back into The Gary Harris Show. We're going to get out on the uh, First of Maine Condominiums hotline at 205-342-9904. And that's where we find... One of our best callers, Tom, ready to lead us off this morning after I went on a little bit of a, uh editorial opinion segment in the, in, in the first uh, part of the show. Tom, good morning. Morning, Gary. Uh, I enjoyed that. I thought it was good. Uh, there are conflicting views. On, sure, uh, sure there are. Uh, yeah, and, and I'm not and, saying and I'm might, right. I'm not right. saying I'm not saying right. that I'm right at all. I'm just saying that's my no, opinion. No, no, no. I, I get it. I, I see where you're coming from. I, I've got a third opinion. I voiced to Barry this morning, and uh, it's different from yours, but it's, it's closer to yours than it is his. But still, it's interesting to hear other people uh, how they view different things. You know what I mean? And uh, and, and golf to a lot of us around this part of the country is a big deal. It and, is. And, and once we turn the page uh, from basketball and everything, guess what? The Masters becomes a big deal in our world. And uh, 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 even people that are not regular fans of golf, the Masters is, is kind of a rite of spring passage, is it not? Tom, you there? Hello. Yeah. Yeah. Thought, drop, dropped out for just a second. Uh, well, I mean, uh, 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 the Masters, uh, I was saying the Masters is kind of a rite of passage of the spring in our part of the world. Oh, and, yeah, uh, it is. Absolutely. Yep. And, and, and we all, we, 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 you know, once uh, we kind of get past uh, the uh, the Pebble Beach golf course, everybody starts pointing toward the Masters, uh, the Florida swing, and then work it right on up, right? Right. And, uh, and, and it came to my mind when I was talking to uh, Coach Sanderson and Barry this morning, uh, I had a question for uh, Coach Sewell, who's going to be on their show as well tomorrow. Uh, I, I wanted to know what he thought about uh, what Nick will do to prepare for the Masters. Will he go play practice rounds? Will he do this? And then it came to my mind how you approached Rashawn Evans as he prepared for the draft, the, draft, mm-hmm. the NFL draft, which was a great uh, radio series. I enjoyed that uh, because we, we got to find out where he was, what he was doing, how he was working out. You remember that? Very well. And it was, uh, I was very fortunate that he agreed to do that. Um, yes. You know, I, I threw a mutual uh friend that helped represent him i uh approached him to do it and uh he said yeah because i mean i didn't you know we didn't pay him a dime i mean we just we right, he, came, he right. came on every week and just talked about it. i think we did it for what six seven eight weeks tom just uh yeah as it, he prepared like you said his, pa- his path to the draft and uh it was great that's and right. i'd love to do some more stuff like that to be honest with you but it's getting uh, well, it's getting see, more difficult now because everybody wants to be paid you know what i mean well, I agree. I agree, and uh, and and rightfully so. And uh, because you got people out here like me that want to consume information like that and are willing to pay for it. Yeah, that's and, right. Uh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, there I go. Tighter and tighter puts out uh, 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 stuff to consume, and I enjoy it. I love it, and I do it almost daily. And uh, 
so the, the market's out there, and let's face it, there's nothing wrong with it. But here's my idea and my proposal that I think it would be interesting if, if Coach Sewell, you, and Nick would do a little podcast with a uh, paywall on it about his preparation for the Masters. Don't you think that'd be It'd a great be idea? Awesome. I'd be I'd awesome. Lo- I'd love to do it. Um I'd love to just get. I think you'd be surprised. Yeah, no, for something like that, I, I don't disagree with you at all. I think people would be willing to pay uh, to to as a consumer for that. I, you know, I'd, I'd I'd love to just get him on my show too, and that's something that I'm, you know, Justin and I had talked back about late in the summer before he. Now that he's won a PGA Tour event, it might it's going to be really hard. But uh, but well, no, that's, Jerry, let me interrupt and say sure. this: the reason I'm saying that you should put a paywall on it and uh, is this that. Nick has gone beyond popularity amongst us, Bama fans. It's kind of a national thing. Oh, now. there's no doubt. There's no, no, I don't disagree and, and with you. I, one. I think that's why it would be extremely Oh, I, listen, Tom, I would love it. And I do think there'd be a huge audience for it. And, uh, you know, but then it's a great idea, and it's something that I may try to pursue the best that I can. I mean, but like you said, he's now a national story, and he's going to have, you know, a lot of different people, you know, trying to, you know, vie for his time but it's a terrific idea and i'd love to do it and i appreciate you saying that because i mean i do feel like that uh my golf knowledge is is up there with you know a lot of people's i i, I followed it i've you know i've never been any good at it but i've been following it for a long long time i've got a pretty good um, pretty good feel for the history of the game particularly when it ties into people that are from alabama that have played at you know at the high level so uh, it would uh, it would be interesting thanks a lot tom yeah, thanks, Gary. Enjoy yourself. Appreciate it. It is a nine twenty four here on the Gary Harris Show. I'd love that, Justin. I mean, that would be awesome if I could do a podcast with uh, Nick Dunlap and JC will and, and do it weekly or whatever. But um, you know, but that's the thing about uh, Nick Dunlap. I mean, this has just been a meteoric rise. I mean, let's just be honest. He's been known in golf circles in this state for a long time. I mean, again, it's 12, 12 years old, he shot 59, all right? He's been playing with pros for a long time. But for normal people, and I'm just talking about everyday people, two years ago at this time, maybe even a year ago at this time, very few people had ever heard of Nick Dunlap. Gary, I was writing articles for Tide as an intern a year ago this time. I, I wanted to focus on the golf team. I wrote several articles about how this outstanding freshman kept <clears throat> finishing in the top five of these tournaments. Never did I think he would go on to win the USM and then be a PGA Tour winner, one of the youngest since 1910. It's absolutely incredible. Yeah, and now he literally, this is this is what, of course, he's earned it through his, his play, his accomplishments. But this is literally what can happen when you do something remarkable, um, as he was able to do. You literally become a household name overnight. I mean, you literally become a household name overnight. That's what's happened with Nick Dunlap. Let's jump back out on the first of May condominium is hotline and welcome in Cowboy. Hey, good morning, Cowboy. Cowboy. Yeah, I'm yeah, here. You're on. How you doing? Good. Hi, guys. Yeah, I kind of agree with you about your golf uh, narrative there a little earlier, you know. The rules are the rules. That's what we got to go by. Yeah, but you know, there's going to be a lot of talk about changing them now since uh, since an, an amateur won again for the uh, 
the first time in 33 years, and it'll be a discussion. Yeah. And, and, it, and it may, you know, they're already tweaking stuff left and right, like I said. I mean, stuff that yeah. in, in pro and college sports that were in place for years and years and years. Even look at the PGA Tour. I mean, they're having a rack to live. Now they've got these uh, elevated events where there's 48 golfers and no cut. And people are saying that's great. Yeah, it's great if you're one of the 48. And you know, we'll, we'll get to see all the best players together. But they're all the best players. They're on the PGA Tour. Yeah, yeah there are tiers on the PGA Tour. But you know what? You're not going to get one of those elevated events. You're not going to get. You're not going to get. Right. You know, a sponsor's exemption for an amateur there. You're not going to get these great yeah. stories. So I don't know as we as we gear everything more toward uh, just how much money can can everyone make. I don't know that that's best for for sports myself. And I like to you know I like the cut system. I've said this on the record. Everybody says, well, Liv doesn't have any cuts. I, yeah, but it, what you know I, you know I've said this before, man. If you're grinding out on the PGA Tour. You know, the pressure of having to make it to the weekend? Yeah, because if you don't make it, make the cut, you don't make any money. I get that. But that's, that's to me, that's fun. That's challenging. Right. Well, hey, um, I know, don't get upset when I say this, but um, I've been kind of observing a few things. Coach DeBoer said he really liked those guys in Washington. <clears throat> now he's raiding their team, but everybody's raiding Alabama. I guess that's just the it's the system we live in, cowboy. I don't like it. As I've said before, I'm a, I'm a, I hate Williams, hate Williams Jr. old song. I'm a dinosaur. I mean, you know, I, I, I don't like it. I, I wish, I wish we could go back to the old system. Uh, you know, yeah. guys didn't play seven or eight years. Um, you know, they weren't getting paid millions of dollars. Um, it was still, you know, at least tried to represent the amateur ideal. But, you know, we had a, we had a, perfect storm for all this change. You know, we had the, the NIL stuff being bannered about and, and transfer rules. And then the pandemic hit, which I think really helped all this stuff come through because everything was so different to begin with. And, um, you know, it's just, it, it's, it's where we're at, man. You know, the portal, the portal giveth and the portal taketh away. Don't you think this is what happens when you turn things over the Johnny Manziel way of thinking? What, how's, how's Johnny Manziel impacted with this? Well, you know, he wanted to get money for signing this, signing that, his name on the A&M jersey. Oh, sure, sure, stuff. sure. Wick said we've been headed down this... this uh, this, yeah. this this road for a while, and the NCAA, which right now is meaningless, I agree with people when they say that, but at one time they had some clout, and I know people keep saying, you know, well, they should have got out in front of this, but what would it matter if they did? You know, yeah. I mean, they, they, they well, I, I kind of don't blame them for hanging on to the system that they, they had for as long as they could, because even if they had come out in advance and said, well, we're going to start trying to, you know, put an NIL system in place, it wouldn't be any different now than it, 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 it is anyway. I mean, it still would have been what it is. I mean, it, it's, it's, so they fought to hang on to the system they had for as long as they could. So that's what right. people do when they have a system that works for well, them. What did Florida do that's illegal? Just try to pay somebody. I thought that's what NIL. Well, was about. what they did though is they signed that with that quarterback, that mega contract for all these, you know, five hundred thousand a month. They didn't pay the guy. And oh, that's a rule violation if you don't pay. Yeah, they like had a board, they had like a hey, hey whole, like a almost like a contract in place. Well, this is what you pay for this month, and this is what you pay for that month. And then he got down there, and they didn't pay him. So that's the that's the problem there, uh, among others. I mean, you can still listen. You can still break rules. It might be harder, but it can still be done. Yeah, you think Alabama can beat Auburn at home tomorrow night? I do. 
I do. I'm going to uh, – in fact, tomorrow I'll make a prediction on that game. I, I, I definitely – you know, Justin was already telling me off air. He said, man, don't have a good feeling about this game. But you know how that is. Uh, you know, and, and Albert may yeah. be better. But, but Alabama's going to play hard tomorrow night, man. They're going to play hard. Uh, that crowd is going to be – you know, wired. There'll be some Auburn fans in there. You know, they're 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 going to get some tickets, and um, it's going to be cranked. And Alabama's going to play with a lot of passion. They're going, especially yeah. after getting run out of the gym at Thompson Bowling in Knoxville on Saturday, and Auburn being unbeaten, and Alabama still just having one loss in the league. Uh, Alabama can definitely win that game. Right. Well, please, you know, I call it the Iron Bowl of basketball. Well, <laughs> no, I don't usually do that, but I mean, it might slip out. You know, I try not to, but yeah. I know I, the Iron Bowl is a football that. game. But listen, I don't get mad when people say it's the Iron Bowl of 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 uh, baseball, the Iron Bowl. Bat. I mean, I don't take, you know, I don't get worked up about it. But technically, the Iron Bowl is the football game. Yeah. I get that, but you know, people are going to you know use that terminology. It doesn't it doesn't make me mad or anything? But I try not to well, do. I know it you're an old guy. Yeah, I try to say the Alabama Auburn basketball game. I, I try to, you know, like I said, not. Uh, not make it more than it than it is, but um, but when somebody says it's the Iron Bowl of basketball, I mean I don't get I don't get myself worked up into a lather or anything. Yeah. Hey, hey Gary, have you heard of this word? You're cubing. You're cubing. I'm what? You're cubing. That's a that's a new term where you wear old clothes. You're not in style. You're cubing. Oh, okay. <laughs> I heard it for some young. People. Yeah, well, I probably I I probably am. <laughs> Just use that on somebody. I found out that's a new one of terms. Oh, Lord. All right, brother. Got to hit this break. All right, man. Take care. Let's hear Drew. See you, cowboy. All right, 932. We'll take a break. Come out with Drew Arm and the Rocket Man from Huntsville next here on the Gary Air Show. As much as Innisfree has evolved, it will always be that place to escape and have a good time. Whether it's for a game day weekend, to reminisce on college days, or to create new memories, if you're looking for a good time, there's only one thing to do. Head to the free at 1925 University Boulevard. And don't forget about the Lucky Lunch Meat and 3 special, Monday through Friday from 11 a.m. until 2 p.m. Get a meat and 3 vegetables for just $8.49. Or for a lighter appetite, try the Lucky Lunch Soup, Salad, or Sandwich Combo. I'll see you at the free. Alabama Crimson Tide lives right here. And I think it's gonna be a long, long time. Touchdown brings me around again to find. It's time for the Rocket Band, Rudy Arman, 977 ESPN Radio in Huntsville, co host Talking Ball with Scott Tyson, weekday mornings. From 7 until 9 a.m., TiderInsider.com, contributor, frequent radio show guest on a lot of radio shows, including this one, including a couple others here at our radio station. Drew's like a Drew's like a daily fixture now. Uh, Justin, he's a uh, turn on tide. You're going to hear from Drew Armand, but he's been with us for a long time. We have him every Tuesday at 930. Good morning, Drew. How are you? Good, Gary. How are you? Doing well, man. Let's jump right in with Alabama football. Um, yeah, I already had someone call in about about the portal and, you know, Alabama's losing guys. But at the same time, Alabama's trying to get some guys from Washington uh, where Coach DeBoer coached and is having some success with that. Uh, but a lot of roster turnover for this Alabama football team. What do you make of it? Well, it's just the, the, the price you pay for a coaching transition. And, uh, when the greatest ever do it, hangs it up. And, you know, LSU's celebrating because they've got PTSD. Um <laughs> from, you know, getting their ass whipped, you know, for so many years. Of course, they conveniently forgot that uh, Coach Bryant owned them and basically started all that, and uh, it's basically continued even under Bill Curry. 
uh, to show you, uh, you know, what what's happened with Alabama and LSU in that matchup. But, you know, a lot of people are celebrating because, uh, you know, Coach Saban has retired. But it, in this turbulent time in college football, we are going through such a huge transition where, you know, NIL needs to be regulated. The transfer portal windows need to continue to be toyed with. This is the price you pay. Um, but I think in, in, if you look at it rationally and in hindsight and you see what Greg Byrne did in 48 hours uh, and, and able to, uh, to pluck uh, the head football coach that finished his national runner-up and was 25-3 and three in two years in Power 5 football, I, I don't think you could ask for much more. And you were going to have guys that came there just to play for Nick Saban. Uh, and then when most of that staff also left, Tommy Reese now going to the Cleveland Browns, uh, you know, Tervarius Robinson going to Georgia, things of that nature. When you only retain, uh, you know, Robert Gillespie is running back as coach. Freddie Rhodes looks like the defensive line coach. Then there are going to be guys leave. And so that's just the nature of the business. Uh, and, it, and I've told people repeatedly, it's more how you react to who leaves and how you build your roster than panicking because, oh, well, you know, uh, and, it, and it stinks. I mean, they've lost one great player in this whole deal, Caleb Downs. I think he is a tremendous football player, a future first-round pick. Everybody else they've lost, including Julian Sane, you can't say that about because they haven't proven themselves yet. Certainly it's stung to lose Julian Sane, but you got Austin Mack, who, I mean, I, I know people pay attention to these Elite 11s and these star ratings, but I've been burned by that before, but I know what my eyes see. And he's six foot six with all the arm talent in the world. He's already been through a year of the system reclassifying for Coach DeBoer. And I think he's got a bright future. And then you got to wait and see what they can do with Jalen Milrow. Because Jalen Milrow, uh, you know, has skins on the wall. He played at an all-SEC level. But he's not a, a great pro prospect yet, or he would have left for the draft. But it can Jalen DeBoer and this coaching staff, this offensive staff, it's basically intact, Sands Robert Gillespie. Look what they did with Michael Penix. He was not a pro prospect two years ago. Now he's a borderline, could-be first-round draft choice, uh, second round at worst, and is going to get a chance to be a team's franchise quarterback, and they did wonders with him. So I just, I, if I were an Alabama fan, I would still be very optimistic. Uh, getting Jeremy Bernard to replace Isaiah Bond was big, but the biggest was Parker Brailsford to replace Seth McLaughlin, who Brailsford is a 15-game starter, second-team All-Pac-12 offensive lineman, and I know there's been some talk about, well, he needs to, you know, gain weight. We have to reprogram ourselves, Gary. We're all in Sabanese for 17 years, and how he, you know, the heights, the weights, and the systems he wanted to run. Everything is different now. So, you know, this coaching staff may want the kid to play at 280 and 285. I know this. His film is very impressive, and I thought, you know, getting him was a huge boon for Alabama, and there's probably not done adding pieces as well. You know, I'm really glad that you uh, just said what you said, and I'm really glad because it, it, it resonated with me. So I hope it resonated with our listening audience, what you just said about Kalen DeBoer. Because you just had the GOAT. You know, you had the greatest probably to ever do it, retire. Six national championships, nine SEC titles in 17 years, played for several more. But Kalen DeBoer in two years at Washington went 25-3 and three and played for the national championship. And, and a lot of these fan bases that are making fun of the hire, their coaches never even sniffed a national championship game. You're right. Greg Byrne got a very accomplished coach, a coach that has been where most of these programs in this league are striving to get to, and even with a 12-team playoff, we'll never get to. Drew, that's, that's a terrific point you just made, and I hope Alabama fans paid attention to it. 
Well, yeah, I mean, and again, I know it's very, you know, stressful to lose Nick Saban. Uh, I thought he had three to five years left. But for him, I think, and people, you know, want to write that he left because of NIL and this and that. He handled NIL for three years. It was more the totality of everything. You're having to handle NIL. You're having to handle the transfer portal windows. His age was being used against him for him to build a staff. Uh, it was becoming harder to build the kind of staff he wanted because he never had guys come back, uh, you know, and, and he couldn't retain the coaches he wanted. He couldn't, you know, hire the ones he necessarily wanted because of concerns over his age. And I just think overall, like he said, and I admire Coach Saban for being transparent like this, is that he could he could only do it one way, and that's to grind 14 hours a day. He wasn't going to become a, a figurehead. He wasn't going to. Uh, you know, give more rope to the assistant coaches and basically just, uh, you know, do the media appearances and not be a heavily involved head coach. He only knew one way to build an organization, and that's what he's of all time. Nobody's done what he's done. Uh, you know, he could have won 10 national championships at Alabama. I mean, you know, this, you're basically, you watch the John Wooden of, of college football this year, if you want to equate it with what Coach Wooden, and I know the NCAA tournament was different back then. There wasn't as many teams. He won it 10 times, okay? That's the bottom line. He won it 10 times. Nick Saban won it six. And so he dominated college football. Much of what you see when you see the SEC Network, when you see these exorbitant salaries, when you see uh, the, his influence throughout college football, he redefined the game. And so Alabama, what he did, and this is the best way for me to put it, Gary, is when Nick Saban came to Alabama, Alabama was among the most historical and uh, top programs ever in the history of college That's football. Right. What he did in, in 17 years is he separated Alabama from everybody. That's right. He took, you know, my, my father and I both hate Notre Dame. I'll just say that on your show. Coach Bryant never had much luck against the Irish. Alabama got screwed by the national media when it came to Notre Dame a lot. But what Nick Saban did is he took a sledgehammer and he destroyed Notre Dame. He came in there, and I think my father, he loves Alabama football, but his, his two favorite victories, I think during Nick Saban's tenure, we're beating Notre Dame twice because, and it meant championships both times because of what he had to go through in '66 and what he went through in '73, and even '77, where Alabama was basically robbed. Okay, and so Nick Saban came in there, and Notre Dame now it's inching ever closer, Gary, ever closer. When you get to 2028, it will have been 40 years since Notre Dame won a national championship. 40, okay? Now, they like to act like they're the, you know, the, the, uh, the, just the standard everybody should live by. It's not anymore. It's Alabama by a country mile. Notre Dame does not match up with Alabama in any aspect, except for maybe Heisman Trophy winners, and Nick Saban made a huge dent in that. And I got a funny feeling with wide receivers and quarterbacks, Kalen DeBoer is going to keep Alabama in the spotlight as well. So what, what Nick Saban did cannot be understated. He separated Alabama. They are Muhammad Ali. They are the heavyweight champion of the world when it comes to college football, and they are the standard for which everybody has to has to uh, try to reach. And that's why Kalen DeBoer came to Alabama. He got a $9 million a year extension at Washington and could have stayed there the rest of his career. He came to Alabama because they are Muhammad Ali. Drew Arman, the Rocket Man, with us this morning. Drew, what's your opinion on this staff that uh, Coach DeBoer has been able to put together? Well, I think it's even better than the one he had at Washington. I'm not disrespecting those gentlemen. Uh, who did a great job, but I think uh, him coming to, uh, to Alabama, 
Uh, he brought his entire uh, offensive staff, stands the running backs coach, and he, he retained Robert Gillespie, which I think was a good move because he gives you Southeast ties and, and ties to the running back room. It's a very talented room for Alabama, uh, probably the most talented room on the football team, even with the departures of Jace McClellan to the NFL and Roy Dell Williams, still one of my personal favorites going to Florida State. Uh, I wish Roy Dell all the luck in, luck in the world. He did a great job at Alabama in his role. Uh, but I think when you look at it, Kane Womack, who he worked with at Indiana, Tom Allen, you know, was flying high there for a while. He had, you know, a great staff at that time over at Indiana, and Kane Womack was a part of that. He was doing a really good job as a head coach at, at South Alabama. But he also gives you ties to the state of Alabama because he had been there as D.C. at South, came back as head coach. It gives you a big-time foothold in Mobile. Hopefully it's going to help with Ryan Williams and K.J. Lacey and those guys. So I thought that was a great move as D.C. It's a little bit different schematically than what they do with the four-two-five, But, again, but, you know, football is, you know, it, it's not reinventing the wheel. It's just a little bit of a different way to do things. Uh, and I thought, you know, he retained Freddie Roach. That's probably the only move that, you know, I question. Because Alabama's steel line's been good, not great. I think the development's been decent, not great. So I would have rather had a Bo Davis. Uh, but, of course, he had already gone to LSU. So we'll see how that works out. Freddie does have to give them recruiting continuity. Uh, and hopefully he'll have success. Uh, but, you know, and I know they haven't announced it, but it looks like William Inge is going to be the only guy coming over from Washington. He's going to be the, the edge coach uh, and also coach the special teams. And they've worked together. They, he was also on that Indiana staff, uh, by the way, Gary. And so, and then I thought secondary-wise um, with Colin Hitzler uh, from, from, from uh, you know, Wisconsin, first of all, you heard Wisconsin, you get their best recruiter, you're playing them this year, mm-hmm. and so he's a uh, really good young safeties coach. I thought that was a great move. And then I don't really think it's been played up enough to get Mo Linkwist to leave Buffalo, where he had uh, won a bowl game and, and done a nice yeah. job. I know he had a losing record, but it's a tough job. He's done a nice job, and he's known as an uber recruiter uh, who's a great corners coach and has been in the NFL coaching secondary, and he has a lot of recruiting ties, ties to Texas, where you've had a lot of success. So I thought the staff he put together and and the guys that he hired covered all the bases, including with Southeast ties. And I think they're going to recruit very, very well. I, I know they're already off to a strong start uh, with what they did this weekend. I think they put themselves in a strong position for Ryan Williams. I think they're going to get Noah Carter, who decommitted from Washington and visited. Uh, he's an outstanding edge prospect. And they've done well in the portal so far. I think they're going to continue to add a few pieces. And then the spring is going to answer a lot of questions for DeBoer and his staff. And then when the transfer portal opens for everyone, then Alabama might be able to to, uh, to basically fill uh, the remaining needs in their eyes on, on their roster. But I still think the roster's in really good shape and has a chance to be one of the best in college football. I mean, people that are kind of dancing on Alabama's graves, uh, you know, all I'll say is, what was the line from Doc Holliday uh, in, 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 of course, uh, the great the, the great movie? It was, Tombstone. I'm your Huckleberry. Yeah, yeah. yeah Tombstone. I'm, I'm your Huckleberry. <laughs> so we'll see. There's going to be a lot of people. You know, I, I kind of quote Tombstone, and I quote Doc Holliday when he said, you know, I'm your Huckleberry. So we'll see. There's a lot of people that are shoveling on Alabama, praying that they're going back to the Shula years. I think they're going to, you know, get some Doc Holliday done to them. Uh, when they when the season starts, awesome stuff, Drew. Awesome stuff. Let, let's get to a little basketball before I because it'll time will get away from us. And uh, 
you know, it is what it is. Sometimes in this league, um, you get it handed to you. Alabama got it handed to them on Saturday at Thompson Bowling Arena in Knoxville. I mean, that was a beatdown, never was close. Uh, I guess the thing that concerns me is I had said this, um, and I said that I think the issues that Alabama had in December, they're going to have in March. They're going to have in January, February. I, I, you're not going to rework your roster at this point. And against these, and of course, most people struggle against good teams. I get that. But, you know, Alabama has a hard time matching up against these big physical teams, and nobody's more physical than Tennessee. And they're going to get another one tomorrow night against Auburn. What did you see in that game that went wrong, and what can Alabama do to remedy it in time to play a, an unbeaten SEC team in Auburn uh, tomorrow night at home? Well, first of all, Tennessee is an old team. Yes, they are. And I, and I, and I, mean, I mean that with respect. They, you know, Vescovy, he, I've said this on a few shows, he could apply for Social Security. He's been around so That's long. That's right. I mean, yeah. he, and they, they're, they're old and they're experienced. And then they added the best scorer at Tennessee since Allen Houston. I want people to put that in perspective. See, most of our audience was not even born then, Gary. So they don't remember Allen Houston. And Allen Houston was unstoppable. Smooth, smooth. Uh, he was a Hall of Fame player. I mean, he took a team of misfits one year in 91 in the SEC tournament when it was hosted in Nashville and took them all the way to the championship. To game. play Alabama. And they were not very good. Right. And Alabama finally ended that run in the finals uh, with James Robinson and that whole crew. But they were, that's how good Allen Houston was. I mean, if he had had help, there's no telling what Tennessee could have done. Because he was absolutely unstoppable, playing for his dad, Wade Houston. But you take a guy like Dalton Connect, who nobody knew about in Northern Colorado, and you put him in the middle of Josiah Jordan James uh, and and Bescovy and and all these guys, uh, these these guards, and then they've got you know just enough inside, uh, you know some outstanding athleticism, some uh, some pogo stick kind of guys. And they already got the, the defensive pedigree of Rick Barnes. Because really the problem with Rick is his teams have not been good offensively at times. And then you get Zakai Ziegler back. And I can't underestimate to you what Zakai Ziegler means to that team. He's the engine. He's so fast. He applies such great ball pressure. He sets the tone for them. They're the best team in the SEC, Gary. They are. They're a Final Four caliber team. I knew that game was going to be extremely difficult for Alabama to win. It'll be extremely difficult to win the rematch in Tuscaloosa because Tennessee did lose at Mississippi State, so they're capable of losing. But they're a very, very good basketball team. All their losses, uh, Sam's Mississippi State, are the high-quality, top-eight-type teams, the one-and-two seeds. They're very, very good. And so I would say just flush this, and I still I think Tennessee and Kentucky are the two best teams. Now, Kentucky right now can't guard a lamppost. But they can score. Mm-hmm. I mean, they can score 110 a night. They got so many NBA players. So they're so talented. Now, Auburn may be third right now. They're 5-0. and And I'm not disrespecting them because they are 5-0 and in first place. But I still think after what I've seen with my eye test, they're probably third behind those other two. But this is a great opportunity for Alabama at home to beat a very, very good Auburn team who right now would be a top three seed in the NCAA tournament. It would be a quadrant one win uh, uh, for Alabama. It would add to their schedule strength. I think Alabama's still in the top ten in the net rankings. So they'd have it. This would be a huge opportunity for uh, Alabama to get one of their biggest, if not their biggest wins of the season over a Bruce Pearl team that's very deep, very experienced. They've got one of the most underrated players in Auburn history in Jalen Williams who doesn't get enough credit. Uh, they've got Jonah Broom, one of the best bigs. But for Alabama, it's going to come down to a couple things. They've got to take care of the basketball. They didn't against Tennessee. They've got to be stronger with the ball, and they've got to compete with Auburn on the glass. Auburn cannot win this game one-sided on the glass. If they do, Alabama has no shot. And I think if Alabama 
you know, keeps the turnovers to, you know, around the, the, the uh, around uh, the 12 uh, n- number. And if they rebound the basketball with Auburn, then I think they can win this game because they have enough offensive skill. And that will give them extra possessions. But if you're being sloppy, if you're turning it over, and if Donai Broom and, and Jalen and these guys are dominating you on the glass, you ain't got to pray. So I, it's going to have to be a close game. I, I think Alabama needs to play the game in the mid to high 80s. It needs to be a really high-level offensive game. If they can do all that, then they can beat an Auburn team maybe 85-79. Wow. Drew, you brought it today, man. That is some awesome sports talk radio right there. I appreciate it, my friend. And there's more where that came from. If people want to uh, uh, follow you, Drew, tell them how they can. Yeah, absolutely. They can follow me at Drew D 977ESPN. Uh, they can also follow me, our station at 977ESPN, and all of our content is on 977ESPN.com, also our SoundCloud page. We always appreciate all the support. Pat from Tuscaloosa called in today. I know we have a lot of uh, your listeners, your station that listen to us in the morning some. We appreciate all that, and we appreciate the support, and they probably appreciate the fact that I don't like Mike Griffin. <laughs> I got you, Drew. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. All right, 9.53. We got time to take our uh, final break and come back and wrap up this first hour. Great stuff from Drew. A reminder, that'll be on our podcast center, Tide109.com, with all our interviews. Of course, you can also get it wherever you get your podcast. But, uh, you know, um, the thing about Drew, I mean, he, uh, he he's going to give you his opinion, that's for sure. We'll be back after this. Patterson Life doesn't wait for when your finances are in perfect order. It just happens. But no matter what surprises come your way, Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. They offer an easy application process and fast decisions so you can stay focused on feeling good about whatever life brings your way. Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. Alabama Credit Union, loans for real life. Visit alabamacu.com to learn more. Some rules and restrictions apply. See if you're eligible for membership, then join today and feel good about your money. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The warming trend continues today, mostly cloudy through tonight. A few spotty showers around. The high today, 62. Tonight's low, 54. Tomorrow and Thursday, cloudy with rain both days. Maybe a few thunderstorms as well. Highs between 67 and 70. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 51 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You're listening to The Gary Harris Show. For Alabama sports, Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, 956, and that first hour just shot on by. Good first hour. Appreciate Drew DeArmond. Hour number two is coming up. Alabama men's golf coach J.C. Well at 1030. Obviously, that's going to be a uh, interesting conversation on Nick Dunlap, Alabama men's golf, amateurism, all of that. We're going to tackle at 1030. In the second hour, also, we will get to your phone calls and... uh, We'll do all that coming up. Also, before we close out this hour, I want to mention to you, T-Town Menswear, T-Town Gallery, University Mall, Tom and the guys are ready for you. You want to look your best in 2024, they can help you. And they will customize the fit for you. In other words, uh, whatever your body type, they're going to put you in a suit that is going to accentuates your positive features. I promise you, man. He knows his stuff over there at T-Town Menswear and T-Town Gallery in the University Mall. And also, of course, you get the best uh, Alabama football memorabilia collection you're going to find anywhere. T-Town Menswear, T-Town Gallery, University Mall in Tuscaloosa. All right, that's going to do it for the first hour. It's been brought to you by Alabama Credit Union. Remember, own a not-for-profit. It's just a better way of banking. Hour number two of the Gary Harris Show is on the way right here on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC.
Roscoe's has been serving Mexican favorites like burritos, fajitas, and quesadillas since 1999. Their new location is at 4100 Owen Parkway in Northport. And, of course, you can find Los Roscoe's in Tuscaloosa at 110 Skyland Boulevard. The bar areas feature big screen television so you can enjoy your favorite sporting events. Los Roscoe's features daily happy hour specials. And for the best Mexican cuisine in West Alabama, remember, the name is Los Roscoe's with locations in Tuscaloosa and Northport. WTBC Tuscaloosa and W265CG Tuscaloosa, a town square media station. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. From the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles. Here's Monsi Bolaños. This just in in the NBA. The Charlotte Hornets are trading Terry Rozier to the Miami Heat for a 2027 first-round pick and Kyle Lowry. According to ESPN, the Hornets have no immediate plans to work on a buyout with Lowry and are expected to see if they can work another trade for him before the February 8th deadline. In the NFL, the Eagles have parted ways with offensive coordinator Brian Johnson. The Falcons will conduct a second interview with Texans offensive coordinator Bobby Slow for the team's head coaching vacancy and the Tynes are finalizing a deal to hire former Bengals offensive coordinator Brian Callahan as their new head coach. In the NBA on Monday, the Celtics defeated the Mavericks 119-110 to despite a triple-double from Luka Doncic. The Celtics have the best record in the NBA at 34-10 while Joel Embiid dropped 70 points, 18 rebounds and 5 assists and the 76ers topped the Spurs 133-123. to Now, this hour's West Alabama real-time news update from the Tuscaloosa Thread Newsroom. A bar on the Tuscaloosa Strip has been closed and padlocked by the state over reportedly ongoing issues involving state-mandated insurance policies. This is a developing story, so be sure to stay connected to the Tuscaloosa Thread for updates. After many days of extreme cold, our area is on a warming trend. Get the West Alabama County-by-County Temperature Guide by tapping our free app. Also, waves of rain are expected in our area over the next few days, and also there's a flood watch for portions of Alabama. Get 24-7 local news coverage and sports updates when you download the free Tuscaloosa Thread app and sign up for twice-daily email newsletters. The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tider Insider TV, Crimson Tide Kickoff, play-by-play for Alabama sports, and sports director for WVUA 23. It's time for the Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Hour number two of the Gary Harris Show is on the air right here on Ty 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. I'm your host, Gary Harris, Justin Jones, producing, manning the controls, taking your phone calls this hour on the Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline at 205-342-9904. That's 205-342-9904. Love for you to join us. Uh, 1030 JC Will. Man, can't wait for this conversation on Nick Dunlap, Alabama men's golf, winning another national championship, amateurism in golf, and so much more coming up with JC Will at 1030. And this hour of the Gary Harris Show being brought to you by Patterson Comer Attorneys at Law right here in Tuscaloosa and Northport. 18-wheeler accidents, wrongful death, premise liability, dog bites, foster home abuse, nursing home abuse, automobile accidents. They can handle all of that. And it's a reminder, too, when I talk about Paul Patterson and Mike Comer, I don't mention this enough. Paul Patterson literally wrote the guide on automobile injury cases in Alabama, and I'm not kidding you. The ultimate guide to 
automobile injury cases in Alabama. You're entitled to fair and full recovery. Know how to get it. Paul Patterson. You can get your free copy of Paul Patterson's book by going to PattersonComerLawFirm.com. That's PattersonComerLawFirm.com. Patterson Comer Attorneys at Law. Paul Patterson and Mike Comer. Again, PattersonComerLawFirm.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of services performed by other lawyers. All right, Justin. We haven't had a chance to do this lately because we've had so much Alabama football. And, of course, we just covered football and and basketball with Drew. So I'm going to get into a little bit of NBA just for a couple of minutes because, you know, I always like to tie it in to to Alabama. But we had a couple of noteworthy scoring performances last night. And and one of them uh, was kind of... Uh, spoiled by Brandon Miller and the Hornets because it was an incredible game last night. Minnesota, I think, came in with the best record in the Western Conference. I'd have to double check that, but I think that I think that's right. And they were hosting. They were thirty and twelve. They were hosting the Charlotte Hornets nine and thirty one. So, what do you expect? Well. You expect probably a blowout. And, you know, that's pretty much what we had for three quarters, Justin. Uh, the Timberwolves had built up a nice lead. I want to tell you how much. Let's see. Two, five. Yeah, they had a 15-point lead. 15-point lead going to the fourth quarter. So you're thinking, this one's over. And Carl Anthony Towns was having a record night for him. He was on his way to a 62.8 rebound to assist performance. But you know what happened? Justin, because I was able to monitor that game a little bit. And listeners, the Timberwolves forgot to win the basketball game, and they were all about feeding Carl Anthony Towns and getting him maybe to 70 points like Joe Embiid got last night. So what happened along the way is that 15-point lead got cut and cut and cut to the point where the Hornets caught the Timberwolves. And then with the help of a very, very efficient Brandon Miller, who had 27 points, three rebounds, and two assists in 29 minutes, and I think he only missed one shot from the field. Check on that if you can for me, Justin, real quick, if you can pull up his stats. I'm looking at the general stats, but I mean the exact stats. Because I'm pretty sure that he only missed one shot last night. And I'm going to try to find it, too, while Justin's looking for it. But... He missed only one three. He was 11 for 13. 11 of 13. So he missed two shots total. 11 of 13. Listen, how, how efficient is this? You go 11 of 13 from the field, and you have 27 points in 29 minutes, including a jump shot, a mid-range shot, that really kind of sealed the game with a guy right in his face. I mean, right in his face. He is really coming along nicely. I mean, he really is. And a lot of people, for a lot of people, it's kind of flying under the radar. But a big win last night for the Hornets, which they're not a good team. But that was a, yeah, here it is. And and, uh, Justin just gave it to you. I knew I'd saved it somewhere. 27 points on 11 of 13 field goals, 2 of 2 from the free throw line. Played good defense, um, distributed the ball, just had a really good night to kind of ruin uh, what did ruin. Carl Anthony Towns, 62-point performance, and also that was a costly loss. I mean, you're you're a team that's got 30 wins, and you're playing a team with nine wins at home, and you lose? All right, as good as 
Carl Anthony Towns night was, it paled in comparison to what Joe Embiid did. And not only did Joe Embiid have a better night, his team got the win against another bad team, the Spurs. He was um, he was phenomenal last night. I mean, it was just absolutely incredible night. 70 points. And now Philadelphia, of course, is known for, you know, Wilt had 100 when he played for the Philadelphia Warriors back in the day. But 70 points, I think he had 18 rebounds too, Justin. That's another thing you can check on for me real quick if you don't mind. Nobody's hotter in the NBA than Joe Embiid right now. Pretty sure he had 18 rebounds to go along. Yeah, 70 points and 18 rebounds. Listen, those are Wilt Chamberlain-type numbers now. 70 points, 18 rebounds, and five assists, which that is a that is a Wilt Chamberlain stat line because if you follow up, NBA basketball for a long time the way I have. You know that not only was Will Chamberlain a great scorer and rebounder, he was a terrific passer. He would often get triple doubles because he got a lot of assists. You know, Wilt's one downfall, like a lot of big men, was a free throw line. So this is the first time that we've had 60-point performances on the same day in the NBA since 1978. I remember that very, very well. Because David Thompson got 73. And George Gervin, David Thompson of the Nuggets, high flyer from North Carolina State, George Gervin, the Iceman from the Spurs, were battling for the NBA scoring record, or scoring title that year. And after Thompson got 73, I think Gervin had to have, I think, Justin and listeners, and I, you know, again, if somebody's out there that wants to check me on this, I'm doing this from memory. I'm not looking this up. But David Thompson got 73. George Gervin, I think, needed like 35 or 38 or something like that to get the scoring title away from Thompson. And I'm pretty sure that Gervin had it by like halftime. So Thompson got 73. Gervin followed it up with a 63 performance. If you never watched these two guys play, go to YouTube and look at their clips. David Thompson was, you know, a Dr. J, Michael Jordan, Dominic Williams type high flyer. He was only about 6'4". But led NC State with Tom Burleson to national championship. And, I mean, he could take off from the free throw line. And, and, and George Gervin was the master of the finger roll. 6'7", long, lean, uh, incredible scorer. Could, could, could shoot the jump shot. There was no three-point shot. But could shoot the jump shot. Could, could get to the basket. Uh, just a phenomenal scorer. Yeah, you're you're remembering it right, Gary. Uh, Gervin in that 77-78 season, he he edged out David Thompson by seven hundredths of a point to get the scoring title. And as you were saying, halftime he sat out the third and fourth quarter. Okay, so yeah. <laughs> so he got him. He literally got him on half. What a what a! But those guys were incredible scorers. But they both listen. They were both playing that day to get the scoring title, and uh, Gervin wound up getting ahead of Thompson. But Joe Embiid last night um, becomes the first player. Since Wilt, to have 70 points and 15 rebounds in a game. And, of course, Wilt, as we said, of course, famously scored 100, I want to say, in 1962. And that game was in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Philadelphia played that game in Hershey that night. There was no, and there was no, 
obviously it was 1962, I think, or 61, somewhere in there, and there was no video. And I don't even think there's any film clips of that. The only thing you have after the game, Justin, you have a picture, a famous picture of Wilt holding up a handwritten sign that says 100 on it. But but this what Joe Embiid is doing uh, is phenomenal. Uh, I mean, you go for 70 points and 18 rebounds, I can't even tell you. And five assists. So just a phenomenal night. But the Sixers get the win, and the T-Wolves, and thanks in large part to Brandon Miller's efforts, do not get the win for their club. And that was a costly loss. Again, a a top team loses to a bad team at home. Um, But like I said, somewhere along the line, the... T-Wolves forgot that the ultimate goal is to win the game, and they didn't do it. All right, it's 10-12 here on the Gary Harris Show. Can't wait for J.C. Well coming up at uh, 10-30 this morning. We're going to go ahead and get to our break, and when we come back, we're going to get back to some more college uh, sports talk, and uh, we also will talk a little NFL with the conference championship games coming up and those coaching vacancies that are going around, and you can also get through to us on the Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline at 205-342-9904. Hey, the YMCA, this is January, so it's a time when people get in the gym. Um, You know, those New Year's resolutions, coming off the holidays, getting ready for the spring. Uh, It's a great time to work out, and it's a great time to join the Y. No joining fee this entire month. You got eight more days to go down to the YMCA and join up without a joining fee. Simply sign up, get your membership going, and start working out today. Don't put it off another day. This is an excellent time to join the month of January, the YMCA of Tuscaloosa, with no joining fee, 2313th Street. If you've never been to the Y, and time flies. I remember I was a member of the old Y, of course. Uh, The new Y, I want to say, has been here now you know, eight or nine years, but it is a beautiful, beautiful facility. If you've never been by, get by and check it out and uh, get signed up and get to, get to working out, man. And they can help you with personal training, fitness classes, uh, daycare for children. All that is available at the YMCA of Tuscaloosa. 2011 Billy Sports Grill, located on Main Avenue in historic downtown Northport, has been serving their legendary signature chicken sandwich, award-winning wings, and handcrafted cocktails. Billy's is also the spot to watch all your favorite sporting events with big-screen, high-definition televisions in both dining rooms, at the bar, and outside on the beautiful patio. Come by and say hello to Kim and Lisa, the Billy's management dream team. Billy's good food, good friends, and good time. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The warming trend continues today, mostly cloudy through tonight. A few spotty showers around. The high today, 62. Tonight's low, 54. Tomorrow and Thursday, cloudy with rain both days. Maybe a few thunderstorms as well. Highs between 67 and 70. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 51 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Never miss a moment of the action. Download the free Tide 100.9 app today. All right, 1016, welcome back into the Gary Harris Show. And um, we're going to talk a little NFL in this segment because uh, the conference championship games are coming up. First of all, Justin, let me ask you who you like. NFC, uh, the 49ers, very, very, very fortunate to to beat the Packers. In fact, I thought the Packers outplayed them in that game. And had the Packers won, Detroit would get another home game uh, in the conference championship game. That won't be the case. The Lions travel to uh, uh, Santa Clara to play the 49ers on, on Sunday. Who are you liking that one? 
You know, I, I, I like the 49ers against the Packers a lot. And then my mind slowly <laughs> changed throughout that game because, like you said, they got outplayed almost throughout the whole entire game. I'm going to take the Lions. I'm rooting for the Jameer Gibbs and Jamison Williams. What about in the AFC? The Ravens, uh, man, they look strong, strong, strong. But this is the Kansas City Chiefs we're talking about now. And the Chiefs are hitting their stride going to Buffalo to win. That ought to be a heck of a game. I think it will be. I think the Chiefs have been fortunate as much of the, as they have struggled in their wide receiver room. Um, but Patrick Mahomes, of course, makes up for that. Their defense, though, with the Ravens and the escapability of Lamar, there's no way they're overcoming the Ravens. Ravens are going to win that one. All right, my picks. I, I'm uh, Justin and I are on the same mindset, man. And maybe it's wishful thinking on my part. Uh, but I, I I lived in Michigan as a kid. I told you I lived a lot of places, but lived uh, some in Michigan. So, and I was always one of those kids that I was always drawn to geography. So that's why I became a big Atlanta Falcons, Atlanta Braves, Atlanta Hawks fan when I moved over to Cleveland County. But I lived in Texas. I liked the Cowboys. I was born in Miami. I liked the Dolphins. I was living in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I liked the Lions. So, uh, and I've always had, uh, I've always loved those uniforms. And I always loved the fact that they were original NFL franchise and they've never been to the Super Bowl. Same thing with the Cleveland Browns. Now, the Cleveland Browns became the Baltimore Ravens. I get that. But as the Cleveland Browns, Cleveland Browns, another original NFL franchise that's never been to the Super Bowl. Detroit Lions have never even been to the Super Bowl. And you're talking about one of the iconic franchises in the history of sports. Now, you know, pre-Super Bowl era, back in the NFL championship days, they were really, really good. But in the Super Bowl era, the Detroit Lions had never been to the Super Bowl. I'm, I'm picking the Lions. I, I, listen, the 49ers are one of those teams that everybody just falls in love with and just, oh, they're, they're, they're so much better than everybody else. Well, and I know Purdy was hurt last year, but they got it handed to him by the Eagles last year in the NFC Championship game. This is a Kyle Shanahan who people praise, and I do think he's a good coach, but he's also the genius that cost the Atlanta Falcons the Super Bowl was the, when he was the offensive coordinator, and you got a 28-3 lead. And they let that one get away because it's a stupid play calling in that game. Uh, I'm going to pick the Lions, and then I'm with Justin. In the AFC, I, I think it's the Ravens' year. In fact, I think the Ravens probably going to win the Super Bowl. Uh, they've, they've got a nasty defense, which is a Baltimore tradition. And now you've got Lamar Jackson, who's a phenomenal playmaker. They went out and got him receivers in the offseason. Uh, the offensive line is big and physical. The defensive line can dominate you. Uh, I like the Ravens over the Chiefs, even though this is the Chiefs we're talking about with Patrick Mahomes. I get that, but I still like the Ravens. So I like the Ravens and the Lions as well. All right, Coach Tracker, let's get to that because, um, you know, the two teams that we feature during the regular season, the Falcons report and the Titans report, uh, both those teams stunk this year. So both those teams are looking for um, head coaches, of course. And the Titans search is over. They've tabbed Cincinnati Bengals offensive coordinator Brian Callahan, who is the son of longtime um, NFL offensive line coach Bill Callahan. Callahan also was a head coach uh, with the Raiders and I believe had a head coaching stint with Nebraska. Check that one for me too, Justin. Justin's having to be my fact checker today. Check and see if Bill Callahan ever coached Nebraska. I think he was one of the, when Nebraska was going through those coaches left and right, I think, I think Bill Callahan took a shot with them for a couple of years. But anyway, he's a well-respected offensive line coach, one of the best. Uh, so obviously you wonder if he'll join his son's staff uh, because he's coaching the Browns. Now, yeah, he, did, he was head coach at Nebraska for a while. But anyway, Brian Callahan has done an unbelievable job with the Bengals. And he... Um, He's the only offensive coordinator Joe Burrow has ever had. So he gets the Tennessee job. So it will be a departure 
from Mike Vrabel, who is more of a defensive head coach, to an offensive guy, which is probably smart if you're the Titans because you're going to try to develop Will Levis as your quarterback. So that that vacancy is filled. Now, the Falcons are interesting because they're really the only team right now that seems to be targeting Bill Belichick, and they've also interviewed Jim Harbaugh twice. Falcons firing Arthur Smith after Smith went 7-10, 7-10, and 7-10 in three seasons. He was consistent, giving that. 21-30 and 30 in three years. Uh, yeah, you know, this is the NFL, man. If in three years you're not making progress and you're just going 7-10 and 10 every year, um, yeah, it's time for you to go. So what will the Falcons do? I don't know. I, I kind of feel like that when it's all said and done, Arthur Blank is going to step away from trying to, de- you know, develop a head coach. You know, he hired Mike Smith, who'd never been a head coach. He hired Dan Quinn, who'd never been a head coach. Hired Arthur Smith, who'd never been a head coach. Um, Bill Belichick's been a head coach. <laughs> Obviously. Now, Belichick's 71, 72 years old in that range. But, you know, the guy's one more Super Bowl than anybody in the history of the game. And, yeah, it didn't end the way probably he would have liked to have seen it end in New England, but I still think Belichick's got gas in the tank. And I think he would be good in Atlanta because they got some talent. That roster's got some talent. And I think he could bring in a discipline system. I think they would buy in because they want to win. And when you've been losing, you're more susceptible. You're more apt to buy into a, a strong coach. And plus, Belichick's record speaks for itself. As I said, Atlanta's got talent now. You look at what they've done on the offensive side of the football. Yeah, still have questions at quarterback, but at the same time, you got Kyle Pitts as a tight end, who's a dynamic playmaker. Drake London at wide receiver, big athletic wide receiver. Bijan Robinson at running back. These are three guys that were all top 10 picks uh, in the first round of the NFL draft. So Atlanta is a very attractive job right now. The Desmond Ritter quarterback, like I said, at times he's looked great. He's, you know, at times he's looked horrible. Can he be, can he be coached up? Or do the Falcons have to go get a quarterback? That's a question. And certainly, Belichick's, you know, last couple of years with Matt Jones as a head coach were a disaster. He took a guy who, as a rookie, was a really good quarterback, made the Pro Bowl, and then that experiment with Joe Judds and Matt Patricia as co-offensive coordinators in 2022, and then he brought Bill O'Brien in, and it just didn't happen for Matt Jones. So you wonder about the quarterback standpoint there. But I, I still feel like that Arthur Blank's going to pull the trigger on on uh, Belichick. So where does that leave Harbaugh? Well, he wants a deal with Michigan that would pay him, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars, basically, and then also uh, they, you know, agree not to fire him, even if the NCAA says he broke the rules. Uh, Ward Manuel, the athletics director, is a little bit leery of that, and I don't blame him. And I think Harbaugh's, I think Harbaugh's desire is to go back to the NFL. I think the, the Chargers are probably the best spot for him. Again, you're talking about you got a great quarterback in Justin Herbert. You got a good roster there. Um, 
He's got a lot of experience having coached at the University of San Diego, having coached at Stanford, having coached with the 49ers. So he's got experience in California. Um, you know, he'd be in Los Angeles. So I, I think ultimately that's where Harbaugh will wind up with the L.A. Chargers. As far as the Panthers are concerned, and Bryce Young, a critical hire for them. They, they need to get a guy in there that can really – I liked Frank Reich. I thought Frank Reich was a good coach. I, I don't know what happened there other than the owner has a – you know, the owner is very, very impatient. Um, you know, you, were, you made the decision to play Bryce Young as a rookie, which I agree with, but you made a decision to play him with a roster on offense that's very limited, very limited. And I don't know what you expected. I mean, it was going to be a slow go uh, for for Reich. And you know, I've read some some stuff from out of Charlotte that said the Panthers could have won more games with Andy Dalton. I agree with that. I actually agree with that. But long term, that's you don't want Anthony Dalton going to be your. I mean, um, Andy Dalton's not going to be your quarterback long term. So I had no problem with going Bryce Young. I just didn't like firing Frank Reich. I don't think it was a good move. But uh, they need to get they need to get an offensive minded coach there. Uh, let's see, Seahawks are still open. Pete Carroll, another legendary coach. Uh, don't know what they're looking at there. I haven't followed them close enough. The rumor is Dan Quinn from the Cowboys. Okay, well, you former, know, former guy from Seattle. Yeah, that's true. And Quinn uh, was a really you know they had that one great year with the Falcons. They should have won the Super Bowl, man. They should have won it. They're up 28-3 to three in the third quarter. Are you kidding me? Julio would have his Super Bowl ring. I think it's it's funny that we keep talking about it, and I know when we talk to Orlando, it's it's the same thing. That that game just keeps haunting the city of Atlanta. Oh, yeah. Of course it does. Because they had it, dude. They had it. And they couldn't finish it because they're the Falcons. A tradition of snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. That's what they do. And the Washington Commanders, I don't really know where, where they're going either. Uh, so you think you like Quinn in Seattle, um, former defense coordinator there. I don't know what Washington's doing. I, I, again, I haven't followed all these very closely. I've, I've mainly focused on the Titans and the Falcons. What, what's, uh, what are the Commanders doing? I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, you've mentioned all the big names, Gary, and outside of them, it's a lot of – I mean, you don't hear the names. It's a lot of examination. It's, there's yeah. a lot of good coordinators and other coaches that have been in the league before that are floating around right now. I think the media and everything, it just gets so soaked up with Harbaugh and Bill Belichick yeah. that if You're it's right. not one of those two, you might and, not be in it. And I should have mentioned that the Raiders filled their opening with Antonio Pierce, who former NFL linebacker who was the interim. Players really, really like him. We'll see how that goes. The Raiders, Raiders are another organization. They've just been disastrous at hiring head coaches lately. And the uh, Patriots, of course, filled their slot with Belichick leaving with uh, their former linebacker and, and former assistant, uh, Jared Mayo. So um, that's where we stand on the NFL coaching situation. All right, and it's time for us to get to the break. We come back. J.C. Well, Alabama men's golf coach. Can't wait for this conversation next right here on The Gary Harris Show. As much as industry has evolved, it will always be that place to escape and have a good time. Whether it's for a game day weekend, to reminisce on college days, or to create new memories, if you're looking for a good time, there's only one thing to do. Head to the free at 1925 University Boulevard. And don't forget about the Lucky Lunch Meat and 3 special. Monday through Friday from 11 a.m. until 2 p.m., get a meat and 3 vegetables for just $8.49. Or for a lighter appetite, try the Lucky Lunch soup, salad, or sandwich combo. I'll see you at the free. If you haven't already, you've got to try Tuscaloosa's unique breakfast, brunch, and lunch concept. 
Step, Brick and Spoon, downtown Tuscaloosa, Timerson Square. It's fresh food with a Cajun flair featuring a full bar with build-your-own Bloody Marys and mimosas. Open daily, 7 a.m. until 2 p.m. Available for after-hours events, rehearsal dinners, receptions, and birthdays. They offer brunch and lunch catering. Call Brick and Spoon at 205-345-5551 for more information. Low Colony Golf Course is an 18-hole championship layout designed by 1976 U.S. Open champion Jerry Pate. Director of Golf John Gray and fitting specialist Bob Montgomery are PGA certified. Mike Shivitz is the head professional and director of the Tuscaloosa Junior Golf Program. Call today to secure a tee time at the Tuscaloosa Championship Golf Course. Everyone can play. 205-562-3201. Old Colony is operated by Paris. Life doesn't wait for when your finances are in perfect order. It just happens. But no matter what surprises come your way, Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. They offer an easy application process and fast decisions so you can stay focused on feeling good about whatever life brings your way. Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. Alabama Credit Union, loans for real life. Visit alabamacu.com to learn more. Some rules and restrictions apply. See if you're eligible for membership join today and feel good about your money. Los Tarascos has been serving Mexican favorites like burritos, fajitas, and quesadillas since 1999. Their new location is at 4100 Owen Parkway in Northport. And of course, you can find Los Tarascos in Tuscaloosa at 110 Skyland Boulevard. The bar areas feature big screen television so you can enjoy your favorite sporting events. Los Tarascos features daily happy hour specials. And for the best Mexican cuisine in West Alabama, remember, the name is Los Tarascos with locations in Tuscaloosa and Northport. Covering University of Alabama sports, as well as the national and local scene as well. The Gary Harris Show, only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. When you see me tee up, you better step aside. A lot of men didn't, a lot of men died. I hook it to the left, I shank it to the right I'll be looking for my ball until the dark of the night You play 18 holes, what do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt St. Andrew, don't you call me cause I can't go I owe my soul to the country How about that? You take a classic song and you turn it into a golf song And it actually works And that was uh, the original song was uh, Tennessee Ernie Ford, I think, uh, that sang. John Denver, though, does that song. Classic. Um, did the golf version? Did he? Yeah, this is John Denver. Oh, he did the golf version. I yeah, I didn't know that. But, I mean, Tennessee Ford really did the original 16 tons, I think. And uh, then that that was John Denver that did the golf version. I did not know that. Yeah, this was originally a song called 16 Tons uh, by Tennessee Ernie Ford. And then John Denver turned it into a golf song. And I didn't know that was John Denver. But that's a great, it works for golf. But yeah, it was originally, you know, they had 16 tons. And what do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt. Say, Peter, don't you call me because I can't go. Oh, my soul to the company store. But that's, uh, yeah, so that's, uh, wow. Um, interesting. It's a little bit of trivia. We're getting some trivia this morning. All right. that We played that song in honor of J.C. Will Alabama Golf Coach. He is on a phone call. We're going to call him here in just a couple of minutes and get him on with us. Um, you know, he's probably recruiting or he may be trying to figure out what Nick 
Dunlap's schedule is, but he said give him about five minutes. But yeah, so you, I didn't know that that was John Denver, the, the golf version. You didn't know that was originally a song called 16 Tons, Tons by the legendary Tennessee Ernie Ford. Yeah, I think I've heard it, but I, and I see it, of course, it's the first recommended song after it. But yeah, that I was good. Yeah. You load 16 tons, and what do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt. St. Peter, don't you call me, because I can't go. I owe my soul to the company store. Instead, John Denver owes his soul to the country club pro. Yeah, (laughs) that is wild. I, You know, I did not know that he did that version. I knew that it had been, you know, a golf song had been made out of it. So I learned something too. We both learned something. I taught you about Tennessee Ernie Ford and you taught me about the legendary John Denver making it. And I guess I knew John Denver played golf. You know, he lived out there in Denver and Cherry Hills Country Club, one of the most famous golf courses in the country, um, is is out there. So where that's, Nick Dunlap won the yeah, US where he amateur. won his US Amateur. So we just keep we just keep bringing all this stuff in here, uh, having having a little fun this morning. So anyway, we're gonna get JC Will on here. Go ahead and give him about another minute. Uh, and when the watch turns over to ten thirty five. Um, Justin, go ahead and give him a call if we can get on, get him on. But anyway, we're going to talk about um, his program. I know he felt like he had a national championship caliber team this year with Nick Dunlap. Nick Dunlap could still be a part of that, uh, but we will have to see. And we'll have to see what Nick Dunlap does. And I'll talk to Jay about what the roster and what the season could look like without, uh, right now, the top amateur golfer in the world. And I know Gordon Sargent and some others may be actually ranked ahead of Nick, but Nick just won a PGA Tour event. So let's let's be real. <laughs> you know, right now, Nick Dunlap is the number one amateur golfer in the world, but he's also just a sophomore at the University of Alabama. So you have to make a major decision if you're Nick Dunlap. Uh, he has all kinds of options. That's what I'm going to get into with Jay. Um, he now has playing privileges on the PGA Tour. He could play. He had he had some privileges as an amateur. You know, I mean he he's in the Masters. He's in the Open Championship, in the U.S. Open, um, and could turn pro at any point now with a PGA Tour victory and have playing privileges on the tour. So it's um, it's just uh, it's good to be. Nick Dunlap is the bottom line. I mean, it's really, 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 really good to be Nick Dunlap right now because the world is his oyster. And I think we're about to get Coach on here and just... All right, we got Coach now, so I can start... I can stop pontificating here and get to J.C. Well, who we always enjoy visiting with Coach, but obviously, you know, with what's going on right now in the world of golf, it's a special treat. Good morning, Coach. How are you? I'm great. Thank you, Gary. Appreciate your patience in that. We, we It is going pretty fast here, and there's a lot of people I need to have conversations with. So I appreciate your patience. Oh, so absolutely. I appreciate you carving out a little time for us. So let's just dive right in. And I want to obviously get to your program, and, and but let's start with Nick because um, – we already knew he was a fantastic golfer. Uh, the the summer that he had on the amateur circuit is is up there with the, the greatest to ever do it. And he joined Tiger Woods as junior am and amateur champion and and got this sponsor's exemption into the American Express where he was the only amateur golfer. I think most people when they saw him and they said, you know what, he's probably going to play well in this. But nobody could envision shooting twenty nine under uh, and and winning the event. And all of a sudden, man, it's just everything changed. Uh, just just. Take us back, and I know you got out there on Sunday and you were there, but uh, I know he was excited. He played in some pro, pro tournaments before, including the U.S. Open, obviously. But uh, at this point in his career, uh, what 
what was his expectations for the event? What were your expectations for him going in there? Did you think that he'd have a chance to to be pretty successful and make the cut? Oh, I thought for sure. Uh, I, I, he was in a good place um, when he went out there, um, was practicing well, hitting it well. He shot 60 at North River a handful of days before he went out. And so confidence was high. Um, I, I had zero doubt that he was good enough to compete out there, not just make the cut, but compete. Um, and so as he, you know, and so we got off to a good start. But, I mean, he wasn't, you know, in the lead after the first two days or anything like that. But he was in a position that he could go and, and, and play. And so the part I was, I'm not, I wasn't surprised. I expected him, you know, uh, the 60, of course, you know, I thought the only reason, real quick is, you know, this, it's a complicated tournament because they play three different right. golf courses that are, are three different easies. And as I told our guys while we were at Keeva Dunes practicing, I said, he's only a few off the lead. And I said, he's on the, he's actually in the lead because he's in the rotation where he's playing the easiest course mm-hmm. third. And he played the two tougher courses first. And all the other guys, especially the TV guys, were now set to play the hard golf courses. And so I just said, he's actually, you know, ahead of schedule. And so, that's when I started, you know, at LaKeith, I didn't know he'd shoot 60, but I actually thought he would get himself around the lead because I just knew he was going to play well enough to shoot at least six under out of LaKeith, to be honest with you, when he was there. And so I, um, I knew he would be around the lead um, going into the last day just because of what he did the first two days. Yeah, and he's got a three-shot lead. And, and then Sunday, yeah. it, it was a really good um, setup for him even though he was with two of the more accomplished players on tour, 15-time tour winner, two-time major champion, players champion, Justin Thomas, former Alabama guy, and then Sam Burns from LSU, a five-time winner on tour, and a guy who had RTR carved in the side of his head because he lost a football bet to JT. (laughs) Uh, But still, these two guys are, are, they're they're finishers, and they're out there to win. And and they were so cool with how they interacted with Nick, but they're trying to beat Nick. And then on the seventh hole, all of a sudden, I don't know that he's probably hit a worse golf shot in his life. I don't know if that was a shank or double cross or what it was but you know it's 40 yards in the water and you're thinking okay here we go here we go not only did he bounce back from that and and trailed on the back nine a shot behind burns but came back came back to win the tournament i mean you take a three-shot lead in there so you know you got a little margin for error but on seven that's wiped out that made it even more impressive yeah listen if he comes out and he just leads wire to wire in the final round don't get me wrong it's still impressive but to win the way he won especially within on 18 you think you got a two-shot lead and boys and how uh birdies ahead of you and all of a sudden your margin for error is down to one and to finish out 18 i think people were just blown away by how he held up and particularly on 18 because i mean you know he's probably Probably standing on that tee coach thinking he's got a two-shot lead, plays it safe to the right in the mounds, but then misses the green right. And and I know a lot of people are saying, well, you know, that's an easy up and down. That's not an easy up and down under those circumstances. And to stand no. over a six-footer, I mean, I I just, I, I you know, I was blown away by how he finished that tournament. Well, I just think it's a testament to who he is. Um, you know, he was in an arena in a, in a, in a place he had not never been, so you don't ever know. And so... You know, like I said, you you go, but you are who you are. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, I try to tell our players that all the time, you know, your character and who you are and how you handle things, it it, it doesn't matter if the arena changes. It's really who you are. And so as that, that's who he is. That's what he is. That's his golf character. That's his competitive character. And so as it got turned up and it was, you know, he's feeling things he's never felt probably before in the end, 
it, he, the, the, the Nick Dunlap still came out, and that's the part that I am not surprised with. I was excited, as I told him, that he got up and down because that's what he's worked so hard at since he's here and in his time here that, you know, it just proves why you work. It's why you get up every morning and you and you dedicate yourself to getting better. And so you're not wrong. It was, it, it, it was I think, it's what made it even more historic. It wasn't that it – it was already got its own historic value in the wind, but it it really gave everybody an introduction to who actually Nick is because that is the character of Nick. I felt comfortable with five to go. I said, you know, they're kind of they're not pulling away from him. And he made a birdie. You know, he made a great putt on nine for par to stay in there. That's just you know, those are things that what great players and winners do. And I said, you know, the last five holes aren't. If that's when you know when the inside is as challenged as the outside, and so. I, I think he looked more comfortable in those last four or five holes than I would say he did the first five or six. And so I think that's just something I was proud of for him, and um, and I think it's why he won. Oh, phenomenal. All right. Um, for for Nick Dunlap, uh, this is life-changing, and it, it you know it's going to impact his life, and it's going to impact Alabama golf and, and a lot of different – different ways let let me ask you the million dollar question i know you said you're talking with people he's talking with people i love the fact that he that he withdrew from the farmers to get back and have some time to think he's got all kinds of options um you know what are they (laughs) well basically he's got a pj tour card so he owns all the he has all the you know this is a this is not a he's going to turn professional sometime and it's not like well if you don't there's, you know, he actually has all the way to 26 if he wanted to to turn pro, and so he doesn't. Um, and so it's not really okay. I have to is when do you want to? That's the decision, and I think you know that decision should be based upon what he and his family and what we'll work through together is in his best interest to be successful. Is is that tonight? Is that tomorrow? Is that you know two weeks? Is that four months? Um, or three months or whatever it is. And so those are the things we're going to sit down, you know, and I think the reason he was successful and has been successful here is the infrastructure around him. And I, I'm going to have an Alabama golf moment here. It was very good. Um, it was very stable and allowed him to be the best he could be. He needs to recreate that type of atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And I think however long that takes, um, if he can have that with, with security and, and, and confidence, that's when he should go. Is that, you know, two weeks, a month, three months, whenever that is. And that's going to be, you know, the decision he'll end up having to make. Um, but the good part is he is a pro. He will be a pro. He's just our 10th guy on tour this year. He'll be the t- He has a PGA Tour card. It's not like he has to do more of this or they're going to give you a six-month exemption or you now have an opportunity. He played in every tournament. That every tournament that Roy McIlroy wants to play in this year, he gets to play in those right now at any time. And so that's his options. And he's just got to figure out he's a 20 year old kid going fast. He, you know, and it's just a matter when he can make things slow down enough and feel secure enough. And, and that's when he'll make a good decision. All right. Now I'm going to get into all the amateurism talk in a, in a moment. I want to go back to the tournament though. I did. I wanted to ask you about Hunter Hamrick and former player, mm-hmm. former assistant coach at Alabama. And I know Jeff Curl, who's a mentor to, to Nick had been on his bag at the U.S. Amateur. Uh, what went into the decision to have Hunter Hamrick on his bag? And, and here, here's two guys out there uh, on the PGA Tour, and they work flawlessly together. 
Yeah. Hunter, you know, he had a relationship with Hunter because Hunter was a form. He, he was his assistant coach as a freshman. And his calmness and stability here, and, uh, you know, uh, Nick trusts Hunter, his mind. His, and I think, I don't think there's a guy, and I, I'm biased in this, and I'm including myself. There's not a guy in this world who could have carried a bag that week that would have helped him more. Um, I, he, I, in fact, I'm almost, I want to be bold enough. I don't think he wins. Without wow. Hunter on the back, wow. um, because Hunter's calmness was very, very important this week. Now Jeff is awesome. Jeff can caddy for him. I don't. He, he's good enough. I could caddy. He could win. But right. not, <laughs> this tournament, with how it was, Hunter was the perfect person for this scenario. He is calm. He's unflappable. He makes Nick calm. And this was a week. And I'm just so proud of Hunter. I, I told him I teared up three or four times watching him. You know, labor. He, you know, ten percent of zero is still zero, and so he. That was a that was a free walk. Um, he did not. He he didn't do that. He he's not doing that for a career. This wasn't something. This was a a a a, a, a mentor, a free moment to walk with him um, and help him in this time to learn. That's why he went out there to learn. And Hunter has been out there, and and Jeff has helped him tremendously in that also. But this week, I think Hunter's personality was perfect in the scenario that was in front of him. Yeah, indeed. All right, let's get to, because I, I mean, there's a lot of people that don't follow golf that are certainly following this story. So I, I want to get to the, the amateur situation and, and let you clear some things up. I mean, um, there's a lot of talk about why didn't he get the money, number one, the 1.5 million winner's purse. Uh, that went to Bays and Hout for finishing second, and then JT and and the guys in third got second place money. Um, first of all, he's the, he was not a PGA Tour member. He is now, like you said, but he was a on a sponsor's exemption as an amateur. Nick hasn't said one word about it, but there's a lot of talk about it now. You know, we were in a point now where money's involved. People just want to revise the rules as they go. Explain to right. people though that as an amateur, you know the situation when you enter one of these tournaments. You know you're not eligible for the purse. He was not a PGA Tour member, so that's that really was not even an issue other than people from the outside looking in that want to stir and they don't know anything about golf. But now there's a lot of talk about as an amateur, uh, and he is a PGA Tour member. He is allowed um, NIL money. He's got a uh, endorsement deal with Adidas. There could be others. That's why he could play some pro tournaments. Um, he still, as an amateur, would not be eligible for the purse, uh, but he could still play at Alabama. He's He's got those options, as you've alluded to. But first, just clear up the fact that Nick went into this situation with his eyes wide open. He knew that he, if you know, if, if he did win, and he did, that he wasn't going to get a penny for it. And, and that's right. the rule, and that's the way it is. But then speak to the larger picture now is about balancing possibly what he could do. It, play at Alabama as an amateur, still take NIO money, still take endorsement money, and still play in PGO Tour events, several of which he was already uh, in because of his U.S. Amateur Championship. So um, that's a big question that's floating around out there, and I just want you to speak to that, if you will. Yeah, um, you know, amateur is true, you know, is amateur. NIL hasn't changed that. I mean, I, I think it's what's the trouble with um, the pay-for-play stuff that we're seeing in, in college athletics now. You're giving people money. It's not really NIL money. It's really just giving them money for appearance fee. You come play here, we'll give you that or whatever. Um, and so I think that's what, you know, that's not a true amateur. An amateur is still someone who plays as an amateur. It's not a profession. But the new rules, which I am totally for, is 
your name, image, and likeness, you know, if you've accomplished something that somebody wants to give you money to to endorse and to do, I mean, Nick wore, he had a contract, he had to wear his Adidas hats and all, I think it's there. And so Nick knew all of that. He he went to learn, he wanted to do it. He was trying to get points towards his PGAU um, and all of that. He's trying to become a professional down the road, with the, trying to get his degree and all of that. And so, and so he knew when he went there, he had one thing, that was to get better. Um, he knew that, that nobody on the tour was obligated um, or anything like that. He was not going to get any prize money. But I did get off the phone, and it's just an idea I have. And I did tell the tour that I believe they should, um, in this new world, create some type of NIL balance if somebody from college does something, meaning if it was American Express this week, you know, if it doesn't mess with any other contracts that the person have, there's an opportunity for, you know, American Express through the PGA Tour to allow the player to have some type of NIL deal after the tournament. And so they actually were listening to me. So, they, you know, yeah. I, was on, I was on the phone calls. And so I think down the road, I think people will see that there's a – that. You know, amateurism has changed tremendously, you know, through the years. And, and right now, it's, what is an amateur with a pro and all of that? But I still think you should have a, a distinction in the line because if not, then we're all pros and we're all amateurs That's or right. whatever. That's right. You know, and so there is a line, needs to be a line. But the, the professional line should be able, how do we help the amateur with the new rules? And the amateur needs to understand that, you know, if I want to, there's two, you know, I'm, I'm taking a step in, in, in a different arena. And so I, I think there's a balance. And I think because of things like this, I think you'll see things shake out, you know, to be a little more helpful. It'd be $10,000 when he could have won 1.5. And if it was only $10,000, I don't know what it is. I just, those are the, mm-hmm. those are the things that eventually smarter people can figure out. All right. I know you're going to be on Whip and Barry's show tomorrow. And one thing Barry was talking about today was, and I want to ask you while I've got you, your opinion on this, he was saying that he feels like that, Nick got to be able to come back, play golf at Alabama, and still turn pro and play pro tournaments for money. I, I'm not. I don't agree with that. I, I think because again, you get down that road. What's to stop a, a major league baseball kid signs a contract with a, a major league baseball organization for big money, plays three years of minor league baseball, and decides, well, I, I, I'm not going to make it to the big leagues and wants to come back and play college baseball. He's already a pro. So that thought process that that a that a pro golfer should be able to play college golf as well. Where do you stand on that? It kind of goes back to what we just talked about. I think there's a distinction, and I think that, you know, because you can get paid NIL doesn't necessarily mean you're a pro. I think there are two arenas. You can't be in both arenas. Uh, I think you should be in one of the two, and whichever one you can't go backwards to another one, and there, there should be, you know, how do you get into, you know, there's rules to get into one of them, and there are rules to get back into the other one from amateur point of view. And so I think there I, – I do believe if somebody is a pro, could they – find a way to get back to do it. You know, let's just say a phenom at 17 tried it, and after three years it wasn't successful or whatever. Could he find a way to come back to be an amateur? Those are questions I would be okay with, but I don't think you should be able to do live in both arenas. Yeah, Sam Farlow actually did it. The great Birmingham amateur at one time was a professional and regained his amateur status. All right, I know we got to wrap this thing up. Your program now, obviously I know you guys are going to support Nick Dunlap regardless. All of his teammates have come out and said that. Clearly you have a better golf team this year <laughs> if, if, if uh, Nick Dunlap's on your golf team for the spring. But uh, where do those discussions stand as far as your program and Nick and, and what he's going to do going forward? Right now, we're just in the beginning. He hadn't gotten home. He's home, and we haven't met. So we will meet. 
um, and then work through this over the next few days. Um, and it, I think it's something we don't take lightly. Um, I love him to death, and we will sit down and, and, and go over every scenario. And after that, then I'll let him make a decision based upon what is in his best interest, and we will support whatever that is. Man, that's awesome. All right, your team is going to be good regardless. You got two national championships. You played for another. I know with uh, with Nick, you feel like you had a chance to win another one. But you, even if he does not play golf for Alabama this spring and turns pro, you're going to have a good team, right? Yeah, we're going to climb the mountain, and we will, and I'm excited about it. And we will we'll, we will figure out this little – I'm glad this is January. We'll figure this out, and then we're going to move forward. Kenny Claycomb and Thomas Ponder, we're very – uh, old team, um, and so I look forward to that, and so I'm uh, excited uh, for the future of that, and so I'm, um, and uh, we will, we, we I look forward to the challenges, no matter who it is. Nick wasn't going to pull us up a hill; we were going to walk up that hill together. And unfortunately for us, if he has a opportunity, which is we can't, we get so excited about, we're still going to come to work and go battle every day to be the best we can. And I trust and love the players on our team, and feel very confident that we can be awesome stuff and i appreciate you again coming on my show because i you got the university of alabama and alabama's golf got so we got millions of dollars worth of advertising <laughs> this past weekend man and, and i was kidding with some people i said jc will now he was smart he you were decked out in the bama gear out there my friend always recruiting now you, you go never not so i know i, I appreciate you having me on i, I unfortunately i've got to go again but y'all are the best and thanks for letting me promote thank you coach team. Thank you very Hold much. Time. All right, JC yes, Will with us. And uh, we got to get gone too. We went over, we'll take a break, and come back, and wrap it up right after this. Los Tarascos has been serving Mexican favorites like burritos, fajitas, and quesadillas since 1999. Their new location is at 4100 Owen Parkway in Northport. And of course, you can find Los Tarascos in Tuscaloosa at 110 Skyland Boulevard. The bar areas feature big screen television so you can enjoy your favorite sporting events. Los Tarascos features daily happy hour specials. And for the best Mexican cuisine in West Alabama, remember, the name is Los Tarascos with locations in Tuscaloosa and Northport. Don't miss your life doesn't wait for when your finances are in perfect order. It just happens. But no matter what surprises come your way, Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. They offer an easy application process and fast decisions so you can stay focused on feeling good about whatever life brings your way. Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. Alabama Credit Union, loans for real life. Visit alabamacu.com to learn more. Some rules and restrictions apply. See if you're eligible for membership, then join today and feel good about your money. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The warming trend continues today, mostly cloudy through tonight. A few spotty showers around. The high today, 62. Tonight's low, 54. Tomorrow and Thursday, cloudy with rain both days. Maybe a few thunderstorms as well. Highs between 67 and 70. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 53 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Today for the Crimson Tide, local high school sports, and Bama in the pros right here on Tide 100.9.
All right. Per- time that out perfectly. Uh, 1056. Uh, really appreciate J.C. Will, man, because he's got a lot of uh, stuff going on right now. And he, he talked with us for, you know, about 20 minutes. So we really appreciate that. And that interview will be available at the Tide109.com Podcast Center. Also, anywhere your um, podcasts are available, Spotify, Google, wherever they've got them, you can get it. And, of course, like I said, at the Podcast Center, uh, Justin breaks them up. Not only can you get the first hour, the second hour, but you get the individual interviews. So you'll be able to listen to that uh, uh, J.C. Will interview and tell your friends about it because, uh, boy, he really was um, he was really in-depth with us. All right, that's going to do it for the show. Uh, this hour has been brought to you by Patterson Comer Attorneys at Law. Catch me on TV tonight with your local sports on WVOA 23. Also, Tider Insider TV at 6.30 tonight. And back here tomorrow for the Wednesday edition of the Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC.